you think about the profound influence of the Bible on the world, the way that it has shaped our culture, whether you're a follower of Christ or not, it's probably a good idea that you know at least what it says. It's going to be about us taking and reading the Bible. Well, welcome to the Tag and Read Podcast. You are tuning in to and leaning over the shoulders of two friends that love the Lord and uh, enjoy His Word. Amen. Yeah. Chet Garner, the day tripper back here. If you don't know who Chet is, then just t- tune in to your local PBS station. There you go. I guess. Are you yeah, yeah, yeah. PBS stations not in Texas? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're nationwide. You're nationwide. You can watch us in Montana. Oh, I will. Yeah. Uh, so... Yeah, Chet Garner, the day tripper. How long have you been day tripping? How many seasons, well, years? sit back, Chad, let me tell you a tale. <laughs> no, I mean, I've been on TV 13. We're, we just finished thir- season 13. So I like, whoo, man, we're, this is like, you know, accountants have busy season before yeah. the taxes. Our, we have three busy seasons a year. We're just now coming out of one. Okay. Although lately it seemed like every season's been busy season. Like so it's always busy. Always, always. But we're going to take a little breather now because we finished up five episodes. All right, we're good. Okay. Yeah, man. And so season the, thirteen. Um, how many? How many? I wouldn't say repeats, but how many times? Like, do you have locations you visited more than twice? Three Only times? the big cities. Okay. Only the big cities. Because there's so much to do in a day there. Dude, yeah, 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 yeah. There's yeah. so much variety. So like Austin, you know, and I like to figure out how cities naturally split themselves up. So oh. Austin very much is a north, south, east, west city. Okay. Oh, you're in South Austin? Oh, you're in North Austin? Right. West, east? Like the Compass Rose dominates Austin. But that's not true in Houston. Okay. Houston is all about neighborhoods. Oh. You're in Montrose. You're in... You know, Chinatown, you're in the museum district, you're in the Heights. It's Fascinating. So, so they don't see north, south, east, west. And then Dallas, well, uh, San Antonio is kind of like which loop you're inside of, whether oh, you're downtown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they, they do a little bit of south town and stuff. Um, so I like, and then I'll try to find a natural way to split those episodes up and then roll with it. Do you have people that contact you to say, hey... Next time you're here, you oh, should check dude. us out. All the time. Really? We just did a Liberty Hill episode. Yeah. I think half of Liberty Hill loves us now and half hates us. Because, because you didn't pick them. We didn't pick the spots, yeah, that you wanted. What's your criteria? We didn't pick the spots they wanted, and they let us know. And I'm talking about the fans. Like, I can't believe you came here and you didn't go to Willie's, you know, whatever, biker bar. Like, <laughs> okay, you know. Uh, I just, I look for the story. Okay. I want I want wherever we go to motivate people to get off their couch. That's what I say. I want to make a television show to make people watch less TV. And so if there's a place that is great, but it kind of looks like the place everybody has down their street, probably not going to feature it because it looks like the place they have down their street. I want something that's unique, either be it the food they're making or the story they're telling. So people go, I've never seen anywhere like that, and I got to go eat it. Nice, you know. yeah, and then that, and then that's patched together with the history and all that. So, so I have a, fun. I have a dream that if if <laughs> the Take and Read podcast ever gets big, like I don't, yeah. and I don't know what that number is. I don't know how you determine that, but five billion. Okay, half the human population. Yes, once half the humans on planet Earth are <laughs> tuning in, we're gonna take all of the guests from the Take and Read podcast. Okay, we're gonna go to the Holy Land. We're gonna hit nice. We're gonna hit the Holy Lands. And I'm, I'm down, and we're gonna do day tripper episode style. Yes, like locations. <laughs> we're gonna go to those spots. We're gonna read the passage, and we're gonna like feel the dirt and yeah. smell it, and just so day tripper has a lot of costumes. Do we get to dress up yes, and like recreate absolutely. it? <laughs> like we'll get you like and really Granger. Bad backyard theater. Yeah, we'll yeah. have some recreation of scenes. <laughs> Granger dresses as the Syrophoenician woman, and and yeah, we'll have yeah. somebody else's Jesus and the Samaritan lady at the well. Yeah. So whoever whoever gets that draw, or the you know like we I, I could probably do some pretty good leprosy with the holly you know the Halloween yeah. paint I have left over. We could make some, some yeah. Sweet so leprosy. I want you just to kind of start the, the creative juices right. flowing right. now on what would be like five locations where you'd want to kind of dive into and then we'll be there at like some yeah cafe in jerusalem and you'll be like ah oh, this is the best 
I don't know, Jewish yeah. food, but like a lol something yeah. or other. Yeah, <laughs> and it'll be the just the bite into it. The, mm, mm. That's one of my favorite things about watching you is watching you different ways you enjoy food on camera. <laughs> <laughs> I've got yeah, I've got certain eye rolls I've perfected over mm. over time. Oh, wow! You know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, no, it's yeah. funny. You you've probably never had anybody film you while you eat. Never, and so never. You, you know, you have to go back and watch it. Like it's funny. Like people like oh man, don't eat in front of people or whatever. Yes. Like don't and like that's my my whole job is yes. dependent on eating in front of people. And so like it's funny people like watch me eat for a living. It's weird. No, they, I mean I, yeah. I, that's how I make my living. I think uh the next time that we have you over for supper, which we haven't had you over. I think we've been to your house or we've I don't know if our families have ever eaten together, but if they do, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, we're gonna cook up something, know each and other I'm well. just gonna coach up my family to be, just watch you take your first Here bite goes. and see Here if goes, this kids. is natural or if it's staged. <laughs> it's like, oh no, no, no. I mean, it's TV. You gotta ham it up. <laughs> I don't like every time I make myself a bowl of beans. I go sit around, kids. Oh, this bean. Don't talk while Dad's eating. Oh. So do you have a couple of like as you think about it? Maybe you never have, but do you have a couple of different responses that are kind of go-to responses when i don't really think about what i'm gonna say before i do it okay yeah i just roll with it so right now pretend you just got the juiciest brisket oh now now i've eaten like brisket on camera like five billion times so yes i mean you know it depends i can't imagine the brisket see the because it's authentic i gotta know what's the marbling what's the fat you know like what's the salt and pepper rub how long did it smoke and these are things that you don't know until it hits your tongue and then you and And then then it starts then the creativity like a well just spring that can't be rehearsed it just has to happen. exactly can't be rehearsed can't so although it's hammed up it is authentic responses 100 percent. okay 100 percent yeah right. and people you know the mo- one of the most common questions i get is chet you like everything you eat that's impossible you, what do you do when you hate it and you have to fake it yeah I'm like and i was like well you realize by the time we're filming at a place i've already eaten it typically oh. or it's been so highly vetted i know it's going to be delicious okay so i eat a lot of really bad meals they don't ever make television Another question I have. Do yeah. you eat everything that's in front of you when you're filming? Dude. You just take a bite and then walk out? Well, ah, it depends. It depends on how hungry I am. Now, really? like, the part of it is, like, you know, I, I go in a restaurant. Let's say, you know, I, I'm i pretty good with a 10-ounce steak. I don't need a 38-ounce ribeye. Right. Right? But I go in and I order the 10-ounce steak. And the owners are like, yeah, right, I ain't putting my 10-ounce steak on TV. You know, here it is, the big 60-ouncer. 60, 60 and then I'm sitting there looking at it, and I'm not going to send it back. So I like, yeah. I eat what I want, and then I'm like, dude, that was ridiculous. So do I eat all of it? No. And then, like, you know, if you're going to a barbecue <laughs> joint, you're going to try get a little everything. So the platter looks enormous. You know, it's like four pounds of food. And then I eat what I want, and then the crew just demolishes it. Yeah, that's another question. Yeah. When you're there, does the crew also eat if... Oh, for sure. So the way we work our schedule is, well, every restaurant we do right before the lunch break or the dinner break. So we film, and then we get an hour of free time where we're it's the crew it's crew break. Yeah. So hey, we got everything we need. We got everything we need in the kitchen. Do we need any more food filmed? Oh gosh, we forgot to get the chicken fried steak. All right, I'm sorry, Chad. You didn't want chicken fried steak for lunch, but now you're eating chicken fried steak for lunch because we have to film it in the kitchen. So all right, fine. So you know, like then we go, we typically film all of our food getting made, and then when it hits the table, we go on break. Okay. Hour break. Sit there and look at each other and chill. Another question. Yeah. Does the restaurant hook you up? Or do you pay for everything? We always offer to pay. Okay. And we have the budget to pay. But most small town restaurants would like those have turned into fist fights sometimes. Like, I will not take your money. You know, you know, and so it's like, okay. Now the big everyone you interact with sounds like Yosemite Sam. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. (laughs) It's Texas, yeah. Hey there, buddy. Come on down. Uh, you know, there's a restaurant I'm dying to go to in West Texas. It's in Sanderson, where all the waitresses carry sidearms while they take your order. <laughs> they pack. They're packing heat, so they like everybody's got guns. 
open carry law. So even the waitresses, they're all have you think guns. That, like that came because they there was a time in which they needed that. I doubt it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, now not, it's just a thing. Yeah, it's just a thing. Part of their you know? uniform. Yeah, right, 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 right. Wow, so, cool. Texas hey, is still a wild west. Still the wild west. It is. Yeah, yeah. Well, none of that had to do with the Bible, but it was super interesting. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Thank you for sharing yeah. that. Uh, I am curious, if you had to kind of go to the Holy Lands and day trip. I'd love to go. I've never been. Have you? No. Okay. I'd yeah, love yeah, to yeah. go. Yeah. So if you're listening to this episode and you are like, yeah, we'd love there to be some take and read episodes in the Holy Lands, we need five what a billion billion dollars okay. yeah 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 and yeah. people to listen right right <laughs> um, but would you go like the jerusalem hmm. kind of like if you had to pick a region well i think like you or go pauline missionary journeys well i've been to ephesus okay and that was pretty amazing really? yeah 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 because you get to go you know the the scene in ephesus where the silversmiths who are making those idols cause a riot and they fill up the whole stadium with right. them chanting, you know, great is Artemis, the queen of Ephesus. Or, yeah. And Paul is basically, if he comes in public, he's going to get lynched. Um, you go to that stadium and you can just imagine it full of people chanting. And so that's cool. Like Ephesus, mm -hmm. you know, that's a lot of stuff happened in Ephesus. Yeah. So I went to Ephesus, but I think that's, that's it. You know, you can go to Corinth and yeah. Philippi and stuff like that. And Ephesus, we were staying in Cushadesi, which is like the modern city from my memory. And there's no modern Ephesus. It's all just ancient ruins right. from what I remember. Yeah. So I would do... you. I don't consider that the Holy Land, though. I mean, the Holy Land's got to be Jerusalem, Israel, at least, yeah. right? Got to be within yeah. the country of Israel, yeah, or Judah, whatever. whatever. Yeah, there's the there's the whole Pauline kind of tour, yeah, that, that right? Tour. Where you oh, yeah, go yeah, yeah. on yeah, all the different sure. missionary journeys and places he went for sure, and then you could go and hit, yeah, Israel. Yeah, so Sia I think Galli, you got to go. That's a Jerusalem trip. Yeah, buddy. To me, the Holy Land is Jerusalem. Yeah, I almost, I was signed up. I had, I paid tuition. I was going to go and um, spend two weeks studying at a university there. Okay. And it, okay. And then it all fell apart. Oh, man. I know. I was, I was that was super, awesome. super bummed. Very little study. I mean, there's so much sightseeing. It takes well, two weeks to go Well, that was part of it. It was a geographical, historical study. Oh, so dude, every amazing. day- like you're, there's stuff you're reading yeah. and researching, and then every day you're on location. Wow! So and you do that for two weeks, dude. But never got to man. Eventually, it's on. It's on my list, and I've been seeing some people. Some of my friends have gone recently, okay. and so it's you know, it seems like a safe thing to do now. Yeah, there's been times that's like, ah, don't do it, don't do it. It's not safe, but it seems like right now it's a pretty good time. Yeah, buddy. All righty. Well, you're here. To take and Let's read the scriptures. So we are making our way ever so slowly through the Gospel of Mark. I don't know when you were here last and what we were studying, but... It was Mark, we, for sure. We didn't get very far no. <laughs> from where you, you came. No, no, no. In a good way. Uh, so we are going to close out uh, the book of... Uh, or the chapter 7. All right, Mark. all right, all right. Uh, we will be looking at verses 31 through the end of the chapter, which is 37. And we are in the New English translation uh it's one that's not as widely known but is one that i really enjoy um, yeah the translation uh i guess philosophy or process for this was that it was kind of an open translation it was available online only for a long time and as as scholars were translating this from the original languages it was kind of open source where everyone could kind of give this is the wikipedia bible not the wikipedia bible <laughs> But similar in that scholars, there were a lot of people that were able to openly scholars discuss, only. yeah, that were discussing word usage and phrasing, and yeah. all of those notes are available, so you can see what went on and why they wrestled with That's different really words. That's really cool. So the That's NET really cool. Bible, what you have in front of you is the product of that long process. Cool. And you can actually get a translation of it. Um, actually, I have a hard copy over there. Uh, that has all of the notes in the it. commentary. All of the oh yeah. man, super cool. Yeah, that's awesome. It's a great study um, aid, and I 
I find it to be really readable. And so I like the translation as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for sure. All right, so we are in chapter 7. We are looking at verse 31 here, and we'll jump right in. Then Jesus went out again from the region of Tyre and came through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. They brought to him a deaf man who had difficulty speaking, and they asked him to place his hands on him. After Jesus took him aside privately, away from the crowd, he put his fingers in the man's ears, and after spitting, he touched his tongue. Then he looked up to heaven and said with a sigh, Ephtatha, that is, be opened. And immediately the man's ears were opened, his tongue loosened, and he spoke plainly. Jesus ordered them not to tell anyone, but as much as he ordered them not to do this, they proclaimed it all the more. People were completely astounded and said, he has done everything well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. Mm. Cool. All righty. So uh, some of the stuff that's recently been occurring in our journey through Mark, uh, you have uh, authority as a major theme that as Mark is setting out to um, give an account of Jesus's life and ministry based on the preaching and teaching of Peter, uh, he starts out in the very first verse, this is the gospel of Jesus the Christ, the Son of God. So th- from that point on, the rest of the gospel is him supporting that statement. Mm-hmm. He's going to give his account of this is why we can be sure Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Cool. And so from that point on, it's uh, chapter 1, verse 14. It says that Jesus goes out beginning to preach the gospel, and then it defines what he, what the content of that gospel was. It says, preaching the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe. Cool. So the idea of faith and repentance yeah. because of the kingdom. So now we have Jesus exercising authority as the king of that kingdom, as it's being ushered in. And this is, you know, that's the account. Oftentimes what will happen is a confrontation with convention. So whether it's the Jewish conventions, religious practices, the authorities that are in place, sometimes it has to do with conflict with the Roman authorities in place. Uh, but there, he's constantly coming up against opposition, and he's always he, there's repeated opportunities for him to demonstrate his authority. Mm. They would even say about him, he's he teaches as one who has authority, different than the scribes. He casts out demons. He calms waves and wind. He heals. He he does all of this stuff, and and so there's this growing understanding of who he is, mm. and and so then we have this episode in in the life and ministry of Jesus where he's in this region uh, that's um, near the Sea of Galilee. Tyre and Sidon are kind of north and on the coast. Uh, Just before this, he's entered this region, and he tried to go into a house unknown that no one would know that he was there, and a Syrophoenician woman, so a woman of Syrian birth, hears about it. She goes to him, falls at his feet, begs that he would cast the demon out of her daughter, and he has this little dialogue about, well, I came for the children. Mm-hmm. Not, you know, it's not yeah, good for yeah. me to give the bread that's for the children to the, to dogs. the dogs. And yeah. she responds and is very persistent and says, well, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that the children drop. So he's like, all right, you're good to go. She's, she's <laughs> demons cast out. Right? That, that story's always fascinated me. I, I mean, as with this story we just read, there's some parts of this that fascinate me. Yes. As well. Yes. So. Uh, so, uh, first thing we want to jump into is what does it say? Uh, what what do we understand about the who, the where, the what um, of this incident? Mm-hmm. So, as you look at it, what are some things either that kind of stand out to you or you're like, hey, that needs some explain? No, I mean, uh, we obviously have a, a miracle of Jesus. Right. It's a pretty substantial miracle. Um, this guy has been deaf, evidently, and mute for a long time, and... He's got like, he's one of the targets of his friends and his friends are saying, you know, when Jesus comes around, we're getting, you know, we're getting you there and we're going to get you healed. And so, and Jesus does that. But, um, 
He does it through what I think is kind of an interesting process that we see in some other places in the Bible. And then he does the that unique thing that says, hey, don't tell anybody I did this, mm-hmm. which, you know, he's already done a lot of public miracles at this point. You know, he's already fed the 5,000. He's done, he's done things very publicly, but for some reason, this one, Jesus took him privately and said, don't go tell anybody. Yeah. Now, when you get healed through a miracle like this, the first thing anybody's going to do is go and tell anybody, tell everybody, which is what they do. Um, but that's that's it. I mean, we have Jesus performing this miracle, pretty substantial miracle, uh, giving somebody you know speech and hearing back when they've been without it, and uh, then they go on and tell everybody. Yeah, there's some, some interesting things. There's a lot of they's and them's. Right. Then oh, yeah. Jesus yep. went out, and he's he's in this region. They brought to him. We don't know who the they is. It could yeah. be his friends. It could be the locals. Could be the disciples. Yeah. We just know that somebody yep. gathered somebody. This this deaf guy was important to somebody. Yep. So and so he brings him, and like you said, he he pulls the guy aside. Yeah. Performs this miracle. Sticks his fingers in his ears. Spits. Somehow applies that to the tongue. Yep. And then the guy's healed. Yep. Well, after Jesus speaks, be opened. Yep. Which is always, you know, Jesus has this very, seems intentional process for healing somebody. Yep. Then in other spots in the Bible also includes Jesus' spit. Yeah, there's times uh, where he spits in mud. Yep. There's there's, there's times well, where he'll spit in, a, in somebody's face, right into yeah. their eyes. Yeah. And then one time he does it. And he's like, is that good? And the guy's like, no, nah, it's kind of blurry still. He's like, oh, I got to go do it again. That's late. Yeah, that's coming later. Oh, later in March. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm like, huh? Why wasn't, Je- why wasn't it good the first time? So, but, but Jesus has a very intentional process here yeah. that includes, puts fingers in the ears, spits, touches the tongue, then says, be opened. Which is interesting because if he's deaf, he can't hear that. Sure. Yeah. So he he does a physical thing on the two areas that are are broken. Yeah. 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 And yeah. then he does something that would initiate or challenge the broken part, mm. the hearing. Yeah. And then it's it it obeys. It, right? it, it his his hearing obeys. It, yeah. Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah. He his yeah. The function is returned. Right. Right. So we don't know. You know, there's a but it's a beautiful picture of Jesus. Like you see, he speaks into the brokenness of whatever it is. Here it's a physical brokenness, but he speaks into it. And we know that, you know, John, Colossians, that Jesus was there when all things were created. He's in and through all things. All things were made through him. And so you think of like there's kind of a piece of Jesus holding every cell and atom together. For sure. Right? And so he speaks into that. And it obeys him. Yeah. But is it, you know, you don't think of it as a separate being. It's like a piece of his fingerprint still there. And it yeah. just, boom, all creation kind of obeys. Yeah. The the idea that God's word has power, right? He Yeah. Creation. In the beginning was the word. The word was God. The word was with God in John right. chapter one. Yeah. This idea of the creative um, power through God's spoken word. And then we hold the word here. The word mm-hmm. becomes flesh and dwells among us, and then we understand this to be God's word as well. So it has power. Yeah, I also think, awesome. and and so this kind of this kind of starts to merge into maybe the meaning component. So if we understand the scene, yeah, something that stands out to me. I don't know if I should say it yet. I won't say it. Uh oh, uh oh. Do it. Yeah. You have to now. Well, we'll get to it. We'll all get right, to all it. Right, all right. So I just want to make sure we. We capture everything that's here. He does speak, and immediately the man's ears are opened. As it's almost like there's an obedience component, right? That yeah, whether it's the body or, or just matter itself, matter, something there's something, something obeys him, and so it, it immediately. And there's that word again. That's one of the words that's most often repeated in Mark's gospel is the word immediately. It happens. It happened in the previous section, and I think the one before, but it's. It's just this, um, it's like one of his favorite words. Okay. He uses the word immediately yeah. a lot. So <laughs> hear it again. Uh, it's not a delay. Yeah. And like you you referenced, there will be a time in which a healing does occur, where it involves Jesus' spit on somebody's eyes. Yep. And 
sight isn't immediately restored. Yeah. It's blurry. I think it's, uh, he sees people, but they look like trees walking around yeah. <laughs> or something. Yeah. And then he does it again. And now it's like, okay, it's restored. Was there, right. So there was a, a um, kind of a progressive element to the healing, whereas this one's immediate. It, yep. it happens right away. Boom. Um, and then you have the whole other part of this. So there's the, the miracle itself. The nature of the miracle and how it's performed, which it's different than other times. And then there's the aftermath of the miracle performed and those that witnessed it. Although he pulls this guy to the side, he tells them, so multiple people that are obviously aware of what just happened, Yeah, don't tell anybody. And it says, as much as he ordered them not to do this, they proclaimed it all the more. So the more he said, be quiet about this, they just amped it up. Is this Jesus reverse psychology? Don't tell anybody. Yeah, right. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. I mean, it, and we've talked about it on, the, on this podcast before, the idea of the messianic secret, that they're throughout um, Mark's gospel uh, and elsewhere, there will be times in which Jesus demonstrates his authority, mm-hmm. does the miraculous, and will warn, command, tell people, don't say anything. Yeah. And so a lot of people speculate, what's up with that? Why does he why can't they tell anybody? Is it is it a reverse psychology? Like Jesus is like I don't think so. I really want yeah. you to go tell uh. people. So I'm gonna say don't <laughs> hey, do it. Don't do it. Yeah. Is there a timing component to well, there's a right time to this, and if we get ahead of ourselves here and it gets out too fast, well then I'm not gonna hit the mark. I need to hit the timing mark. Yeah, that sounds the most plausible to me. There, and then there's a third theory that says as his identity becomes more and more realized, there's a sense in which if it was, if who he really was, was, was more widely known and earlier, he may not have been crucified because they would have known he is in fact the Messiah. And, and that so to me is the, the same. That's that that one right there is so closely intertwined with the timing thing because you know if people see his miracles or miracles are too public that everyone in the planet can't deny the the things Jesus is doing then he's going to become king instantly and you know there'll be yeah. a riot with his favor and suddenly he'll be on a throne which is not what he wanted right his right. he didn't come to become an earthly king right his mission was to die on the cross so uh, that that to me is sort of intertwined with the timing thing. Yeah. That if this happens too quickly, I don't get to my end result that I'm here for, which is the suffering. And we know die. there's a perfect timing component to yeah what God does, and so He's somehow pumping the brakes. Right? If this car goes too fast, we end up in the wrong destination. If it goes you know too slow, we don't get there in time, and so everything is kind of leading to the cross at His perfect timing. I mean, it almost sounds like Back to the Future. It, you it, got, it's you got exactly it eighty-eight miles an hour, <laughs> right when the lightning strikes. <laughs> That's it. And yeah, then yeah, time yeah. Travel. Yeah, uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> That's it. Uh, and there's, but there's something interesting because in the passage uh, immediately before this, it says that when he went into a a house, he did not want anyone to know he uh, that he was there, basically, but was not able to escape notice. So there was a sense, even, and that's in the same region of Tyre. So in this region, he's he arrives. He's obviously there intentionally, but he wants to kind of come in unnoticed, and yet that's not accomplished. Right. Then he goes, and people are like, "Hey, Jesus is here. We know who he is. Hey, there's this guy. He can't he can't hear and he can barely talk. It's gibberish. He'll he'll he'll, he'll. yeah. So he does, but but he's like, okay, come here, really quick. You know, and he does yeah, the thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then he's like, "Okay, don't, hey, you guys, okay, yep, don't say anything." Guess what, Jesus did? No, no, seriously, <laughs> yeah, please yeah. don't keep no, it down. Come on. Hey, everybody! <laughs> like, he don't do it. They do it all the more. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's fat. It's just fascinating to me. I mean, he came here with a purpose, and as much as he wanted to be the secret Messiah, he wasn't. Well, yeah. but but you know, I mean, that was all part of his plan. He just, man, I guess he just didn't need it to steamroll too big too quick. Yeah. Um, 
man, the chosen has just just a beautiful scene of Jesus, you know, basically sitting in a tent all day while these people just line up one after another, and Matthew's trying to write down who's getting healed, what is he healing you of, and he's just all day outside of a town just healing people. Um, it's a really good. You watched it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so you just get this idea of how exhausting from a human right. perspective Jesus was. And these crowds, these just crowds uh, that that could never, ever, ever stop, would never stop, you know? Uh, they would be there from the break of dawn to the moonlight. And Jesus wanted yeah. to help as many as he could, but his purposes, you know, required that he couldn't get to everybody because he had other things yeah. he had to do. He had to keep moving. Yeah, and and there's there's a couple of layers, and so now I'm going to say what I was going to say. Before. All right, all right, all right. I don't know what happened, got said between then and now. That's like now's the time. This but is here the we time. go. All right, yeah. Uh, we start to wrestle with what this means, and how do the people there present with Jesus? What's happening? Okay, you know, for them. Yeah. What, what is what does this mean for them? You also have this second layer of meaning for the audience that is Mark's audience. There there are numerous things that could have been shared. You think about three years of ministry that Peter is with Jesus, the amount of opportunities and episodes and healings and things that occurred. Because there are many times in the past, in even the Gospel of Mark where it says, and many were healed there. Yeah. So yeah. There, there, we, there's probably thousands of stories uh-huh. Is it John that ends with that beautiful line that's yes. like, I suppose that if, you know, not all even... All of the, the works of Jesus, yeah. not all the, the books in the yeah. world can contain. And there are many other things Jesus did. If every one of them were written down, I suppose the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. Yes. So, yeah. So what that tells us is that whatever is here is extremely intentional. Yeah. And I yeah, think yeah. it has a depth of meaning to it that is worth exploring and we could probably spend our lifetime not getting to all of it. Hmm. So in this, there's the, the people that are acts. There's the guy that's there. He gets healed. There's the people that brought him that are aware of it yep. and are broadcasting. And then there's the disciples that are present and yep. they continue to see these different episodes. A, a Gentile woman is healed right before this in the same region. That's got to mess with their brains a little bit. Cause no, he's, yeah, 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 he's a Jewish Messiah. What? what, what right, right, right. He, right. he came for Gentiles. the Jews to rule. There's multiple times where he does things and they don't get it. Like there's a point at which they experience the feeding of the five thousand miracle. You know that miracle, and then they're in the boat, and he's like, "Hey, go over to uh, Bethany or whatever. Hop in the boat and make your way over there. I'll catch up with I'll you meet, later. I'll meet you there." Yeah. And they struggle all night. He's watching him from afar, like, "Oh, look at it. It's so cute." <laughs> they're trying to <laughs> yeah, grow. Yeah. And then he walks out there. The wind dies. Everything dies. He's like, "It's me. It's it is I." And he says this phrase that in Greek would be just like the the Hebrew version of Yahweh. So he says, "It is I. I am." And they're like. Oh, oh, yeah. And then it's it's interesting because there it says, and then they understood basically what happened with the feeding of the five thousand, and they were astounded that their hearts were hardened about it, that they didn't see it when it was happening. Oh, yeah. and so then they arrives on shore, and there's somebody that immediately is like, "I know you, right? You can heal me." And and so it just there's all these other people that are recognizing who he is, and when he's teaching in the parables. He says, those that have eyes to see and ears to hear, let them hear. Hmm. And then he teaches these parables. And parables were meant to simultaneously conceal and reveal. For those that have ears to hear and eyes to see, they will it will be revealed to them what he's saying in that parable. But those that don't have ears to hear and eyes to see, they won't they won't get it. So here you Man. have this physical incident. Where people clearly have the faith that he can heal our buddy, shows up and he does a very specific healing about hearing and speaking. And all the while the disciples are there and they've been seeing, they've been hearing, they've been witnessing, and he's specifically called them out as apostles, which is, you're going to be my messengers. Twelve of them, he said, you will be, out of all the disciples, you twelve are going to be the ones that will bear witness about who I am. 
about the kingdom. He sends them out. They do all that. And so I think there's maybe, I think a guy actually was healed. No doubt. Historically, that man experienced the touch of the Savior, which was a fulfillment of prophecy that the Messiah would come. He would be healing the the blind, the mute, uh, and the deaf. He would cause what's broken to be restored physically. But I also think there's a reason why Peter preached about this and why Mark included it. And I think it has to do with vision, hearing, seeing, speaking the truth, and witnessing, bearing witness. Hmm. Because he physically touches yeah. ears and then engages the mouth, spits and does something yeah. that touches the mouth, and then speaks, be opened. Like, understand. <laughs> open your ears, open your mouth. Yeah. Because now you're going to hear and you're going to speak. Wow. I So there's what I'm, I'm wrestling with. Mm. There's original audience, there's Mark's audience, mm-hmm. and what this m- would have meant for them as they're seeing this guy have his ears restored, his mouth restored, they're definitely, that's the marks of the Messiah. Yeah. They're in the presence of the Messiah, and their understanding is gaining ground. Like, they're becoming more and more aware, and we're approaching a passage in Mark where they will finally, Peter gets it, but we're not there yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we're approaching that, and and so, yeah, I'm wrestling with that, and what's the significance Mm. that maybe that is supposed to mean uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I mean, it, he is planting these seeds of this is who I am and this is what I'm capable of doing. And, you know, you see in the last, the people people were completely astounded. Verse 37, he has done everything well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak, you know, and that begs the question, well, okay, so what do you think that means? Right. Well, that's uh, what the Messiah is I don't do. know. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Hey Ted, is that, isn't that what the Messiah is supposed do? to be doing? Right, right, right. So like but but they get the physical they get what they can physically see with their eyes, mm-hmm. but so many of them I don't think put together that next phrase like okay, well, he did what the Messiah was supposed to do. He's fulfilling prophecy. What does that mean? Well, does it does that mean he is the Messiah? You know? Like um, they're getting they're they're uh, who, we don't have a glimpse that they're putting it all together. Now they're certainly attracted to the excitement of watching people get physically healed, right? Um, because you know, right next to it, chapter eight, we get the feeding of the four thousand. So these crowds are yes. really building and they're amassing, and I think they're just excited to the physic what they're seeing in the physical world about what this man is doing, um. But I'm not sure that they're, it's all clicking for them yeah. yet, right? And maybe maybe it doesn't until he dies uh, and is raised, then the gospel can spread. Because if they got it too soon, they would have reacted differently and he wouldn't have, he wouldn't have ultimately ended up on the cross. Right. And it, he is the one that initiates the ears opening yeah, 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 yeah. The vision returning, the mouth be working properly. Yeah. He's the one that initiates all of that yeah. that is broken. I, I looked up in Isaiah, the prophecy um, referenced here. Then the blind, this is Isaiah 35, verses 5 and 6. Then blind eyes will open, deaf ears will hear. Then the lame will leap like a deer. The mute tongue will shout for joy. For water will burst forth in the wilderness streams in the arid rift valley. Mm. And it goes on. So there's the sense in which they're like, wait a minute. Yeah. He heals the, the deaf and the mute. Yeah. And I mean, that, that's, that's, what, that's what the Messiah is going to do. Yeah. So I think there is that growing awareness. And you know, that, that really shows insight into why Mark would have put this in there, right? Yeah. This is a direct fulfillment of prophecy. And so when someone who's knowledgeable about the Old Testament goes, yeah. well, the, he was supposed to, you know, the deaf and mute. He was supposed to heal the deaf and mute. And Mark goes, yeah, he did. Yeah. You know, direct fulfillment. And just so people don't know that I'm like a Bible savant, yeah. there's a footnote <laughs> yeah, in my Bible. Yeah, there's a little yeah, footnote yeah. here that says, that is a, it just references Isaiah 35, 5, and 6. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're a Bible savant. But Whatever. That's all right. Whatever. So anyway, um, how do we wrestle with that now? If we know that... 
for them, this is a this is an indication by Mark an inclusion of this episode specifically and for those present that they're in the presence of the Messiah. That mm-hmm. Jesus, in fact, is the one who's prophesied, who came, and that the faith of the friends that brought the deaf guy is related to the healing because every time Jesus heals, it's related to faith. When he goes to his hometown, he's, he's like, man, this place, a prophet is without honor in his hometown, and he's like, he could barely do any miracles. He healed a couple people, he drove out a couple demons, but he could barely do anything. Yeah, 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 right? yeah, yeah. They, because they, they of the faithlessness. Yeah. And so we, we know that throughout... Jesus's the the experience of God's kingdom as Jesus goes about because he's proclaiming the kingdom of God and 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 gives these little touch points of this is what it's like in the kingdom this is what life is like brokenness is restored and and things that are broken are now whole mm. things are brought back to to the rightness that they were intended to be when you're in the presence of the king and in life in the kingdom hearing is restored speaking is is corrected and so there's this episode of this is what it's like when he's the king and you're in his kingdom this is what life is like it's flourishing it's life it's not death yes yeah. wholeness not brokenness mm. and and so how do you and i wrestle with that and say well as as a son and and a child of god as a husband as a father as a brother in christ what do I, how do I live in light of this truth that's before me? How do I experience the meaning that's here? Well, we got to take that last jump, right? God has revealed himself. He has made himself apparent. Yes. And so, but we have that last building block to put on our faith that says he did exactly what the Messiah said what was said he would do he fulfilled prophecy directly he even told us this is who i am right and this is why i've come so you go okay so the messiah has been revealed what do i do with that yeah and you know to love to love god is to obey him and his word and so we say okay i'm in i'm all in jesus is the messiah he came he died for my sins everything that god said is true uh he fulfilled it and it's here ready for me like that should affect everything, right? The fallout of this. We get to put that last building block on our faith and say, all right, he was Messiah. I'm convinced. I'm convinced. There we go. And once you're convinced, then you got, you know, there's the process of saying, I, I believe Jesus was the son of God. Mm-hmm. Put your heart, your faith into him. I mean, this is, this is the heart of the gospel, that he died for my sins and that I'm forgiven if I just believe him and that I will spend eternal life with him. Uh, but you know, you, you take the first step of belief, yeah. Then you find a local community, you get baptized, and then and then you dedicate your life to him. So that's that's and what it, it is, and it redefines the everything you do. Everything now, I, the way that your dad, the way that your husband, yeah, the, the way uh, I work, the way I hang out with why friends, you work way, and what you do with that money and but how man, you spend it's free time. So much better. Every Christian yeah. would tell you, like, I do not want to go back to the previous life. Yeah, I don't. I want to have anything to do with it. Like I know the truth now, and why would I continue to live as if the truth were a lie? Yeah. So you dedicate. You know, it just suddenly like the ripples begin to affect everything. Yeah. And it affects the way I'm a husband, the way I'm a boss, the way I just treat people, the way I'm a father. Like. And yet, I I spend my time. It's all there. And but, I. How do you encourage people? that have tasted and experienced what life is like in the kingdom and yet slide back into the flesh and go back to the way it was, go back to the formal and, and just wrestle with that and, and kind of our ebbing and flowing within following the Lord, reading his word, living within the realm and, and, and the ways that he has designed us to flourish. Yeah. And then reverting back to, the old way how do you help someone and not not that you have to have an answer for that but that's no, what i'm no, wrestling no, no, with no. Because I, I mean it's it's so true because we're going to have peaks and valleys to the christian walk right. right and so when you're in a valley chances are you feel like you're in a valley and so for how do you wrestle with that maybe not how do you counsel people because 
you may not but i I mean i i can just speak from personal experience like there's the great lie that you know um it's harder to be a Christian than it is to not be a Christian. And life's better and easier when you're not a Christian or like not necessarily not a Christian, but not walking close to Christ. Like, yeah, look, I don't have to wake up and read my Bible. I can scroll my phone. I I don't have to go to church. I get to sleep in on Sundays or I don't have to be part of a community of people who are always like Bible beaten or whatever. And so, but, but I think what people find themselves in that lifestyle far from Christ and this is for me, um, it's not better. The emotion, it's 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 a harder, darker emotional place. And when mm-hmm. you're close to Christ, it's better. Life flourishes more. Uh, you've got more purpose. You feel closer to the Savior and Creator of the world. So, yeah. And, and it's not that your circumstances necessarily change. No, no, yeah, 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 no. So, but there is a difference in the way that you experience yeah. life. And I've experienced enough of being close to Jesus and far from Jesus to where I want to be nothing but close to Jesus. Yeah, buddy. Right? Yeah. And so um, people just kind of don't know how to start. Well, I, I I don't know how to start reading my Bible. Right. I don't know how to just, I can't get off the easy train. It's hard to do those things. It's like, nah, it's not, it may be at the beginning because the ball's got to start rolling, but like, once you get there, the flourishing, the closeness, the emotional satisfaction of being, you know, just walking hand in hand with the Lord is so good. You don't ever want to backslide to that place. Right. Now, inevitably, you'll go through a darker time and, you know, you need to kind of have an inventory like, man, why am I just so mad at the world? Or why am I just getting so frustrated at right. all, everything? Why am I feel like my kids are a nag? You know, or my like, I'm just not enjoying anything. And chances are, like you, you just kind of drifted a little bit. And you know, for me, you know, one time I was just like anxious and getting upset about stuff, and I realized, like, man, in my morning commute, I just kind of reverted back to listening to sports radio, and like, you know, just people arguing with each other all the time. And I was like, man, I, I, you know, like you have to make the decision. And like, I want to turn, I got to turn a corner. And so I was like, for a few months, I said, I'm wiping this stuff clean. I'm just going to praise, nothing but praise and worship. And so, man, you want to talk about, this just made a dramatic difference in my life. And there's a, what seems to be a thread throughout all that is being intentional. You, yes, you have to be intentional. It's not going to accidentally occur that you just, are following the Lord accidentally. Yeah. We're yeah. we're bent against that. Yeah. Our flesh, we're we're broken still. Yes. And so the reality of the gospel is that when we place our faith and trust in the fact that Jesus physically, bodily lived, died and rose again that he is in fact God incarnate, the son of God, and we his sacrifice on our behalf totally legitimately covers all of our sin. And we, we, we place our faith in him and demonstrate that faith by obedience to him. We don't just accidentally become holy. Like it's not just a natural mm-hmm. byproduct. Because mm-hmm. we're bent the other way. We live in a fallen world and we still have sin that we wrestle with. No doubt. And so it, as you've talked, it sounds like it's got to be intentional. You've got to decide Instead of waking up and scrolling through social media, I have to make the decision I'm going to scroll through the scriptures. Yep. Instead of, you know, binging yep. that show on that uh, movie platform, uh-huh. uh, I'm going to spend time engaging with people and maybe even conversing about my time in the Word and wrestling with what I'm reading and or praying through or sharing this struggle and getting some advice or just enjoying fellowship with other believers. Like I've got to make a choice to do life the way that God has designed it to be done. Mm -hmm. And in order to do that, I've got to know how it's been designed to be done. Yep. Yep. Instruction manual right there. Right. That. So it, it, you know, one of my favorite sayings, like you have to tell your, if you don't tell your time where to go, someone else will. Mm. And so, or something else will. Yeah. And so just, you know, be intentional and be like, you know, I, I I just, if you're, if, if you feel far from 
Christ. You're like, man, I just it's just not clicking for me. There are small changes you can make right. to to re. It, 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 but you have to be intentional. There are small changes you can make to get the to get that wheel spinning, to get that thing rolling, um, and to get back into communion with with your maker. And and if you're listening to this podcast and you're like, okay, well, right now, I don't, I don't do anything. And maybe the only thing you do is you listen to this podcast. podcast. Maybe, and, yeah, maybe, right? Awesome. Yeah. Like you get to. It's a good to, start to it join is. in. It really with, is with people that read the word and love the word and believe it to be 100% true in the word of God. Uh, next step would be spend some time reading on your own. Yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. On a daily basis or a regular basis, consistently find that place, find that that um, time of day and find that favorite coffee yeah. and sit down and just read just a little bit yep. and just decide I'm going to read this book of the Bible and just make your way through it. Ask a bunch of questions. Keep a journal. Write down yeah. what you know, what you don't know, and maybe some things you want to ask somebody. And maybe that's me. And you just email me your questions, uh, take and read podcasts at gmail.com. And uh, I'd love to engage with that. If uh, if there's been anything in this conversation today that's provoked some yeah. questions, email me and I can make sure Chet gets your your question if you oh, have yeah. something for him. I love it. Uh, you can probably find it. him on whatever social media platforms you want to. Yeah, just, I'm on all of them. Um, the Day Tripper. And, but we would love to engage with you over these questions that you might have. For so. sure. You know, that, one of the beautiful things about how God has created us all is that we all have some way that our affections for Christ get stirred up. Mm-hmm. And for some people, it's not sitting under a lamp with a cup of coffee you know so other people it's serving it's singing it's uh talking with with fellow christian brothers like there's some way that your affections for christ are stirred and that way feels good and is self-reinforcing and so when you find that thing lean into it and do more of it and then it'll sort of spin off into other stuff right yep so you got to find the way that your affections are stirred that's a good call yeah yeah well, Chet, I love having you on this podcast. Hey, man. Love having you in the studio, I like, hey, a.k.a. Uh, my I, office. Hey, hey, hey. hey. It's, <laughs> you should see the studio I started in, man. Right on. Right Way on. worse than this one. I did see your sound booth one time, and it was basically a closet. With the a, Harry Potter closet yes, sound booth? It still is. With a bunch of foam in it. And yeah, like yeah. Dark. Not even. It's moving blankets, man. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Anyway, thanks, brother, for being here, and uh, love having you. And thanks, man. It's uh, an honor. Yeah. So uh, hang out with Chet on the day tripper. Go tripping with him. And uh, I encourage you all to take and read. See you.